Have you ever thought about how amazing it is to offer God your hallelujah, that open heart full of praise and joy? Whether you are online or in person, thank you for joining us in offering your hallelujah today. I can't believe it, but it's June already. And of course, June means graduations. Right now, back in our kids' wing, fifth graders are celebrating moving up. Our preschoolers have been celebrating closing ceremonies for the last two weeks. And of course, our middle schoolers, high schoolers, and college graduates are graduating any day now. We want to wish all of our graduates the best and encourage you, just as you are taking this next life step, take that next step of faith. Check out meethope.org today to find out how you can get involved in, in a small group, what kids' programs are happening over the summer, or look and see how you can give back and volunteer. All of these questions and more can be answered right at meethope.org today. Also on that page, you'll find our Give button. And whether you are here in person or online, you can use that button to give. Your generosity and giving is one of the reasons we can continue to offer a wide variety of opportunities for graduates of all ages. Because of you, so many of our young people can take that next step in their faith. So thank you in advance for your generosity. And now let's continue to worship together as Pastor Rick brings us our series, Made for This. Hey, it's good to see you all. Uh, you know, I hope we get Heather out of that fishbowl uh, that she's been trapped in. And, uh, but that should happen. No worries about that. Uh, <laughs> so when uh, I grew up going to church, and I guess that's why I can, I'm comfortable making fun of it too, I guess. Uh, I grew up going to church, and uh, my mom made sure, she's watching right now, my mom made sure that I was at church. My grandmother made sure that I was at church. And because I grew up going to church, I was really comfortable around the church, and my personality wasn't any different then as it is now, and so I kind of, I, I often would uh, speak before I thought what I was saying, and so in Sunday school, I was quite the challenge, and I remember one time my Sunday school teacher was talking about heaven, and was describing heaven as it was going to be singing, and music, and friends, and family, and golden streets, and it was going to last forever, and Jesus would be there, and that sounded good as well, and I liked all those things. And then I said, what do we get to do the next day? <laughs> because, you know, church forever? Uh, is there something else, right? Or is it just going to be this eternal church service with lots of singing and now, that wasn't a great question to ask. I didn't like the response either uh, because pretty much the response was, yeah, that's what it, that's what it is, Rick. Uh, so my grandmother, and uh, I was in the backseat of the car one day, and my grandmother, and she was the, um, do you remember the church lady from Saturday Night Live? That was my grandmom, all right? She was proper, she was right, and, and she was always right. And uh, I was in the backseat of the car. I remember this very clearly. We were waiting for somebody to come join us, and we probably were going to church. And I asked her, because I didn't like the Sunday school answer, and I said, Grandma, what will we do in heaven? And she responded basically with the same kind of sing forever kind of answer, eternal church service. And I grumbled, but not softly enough. I said, well, that sounds more like hell to me. 
And that didn't go well at all with her because she responded with Richard, which I always knew was not good when she used Richard uh, to address me. So as I gotten older, I continued to think about more about heaven and eternity and wondered if there had to be more. And I know that I met a lot of people who kind of have an evacuation theology, that Jesus is going to come back and swoop us up, and that this is almost like a bus stop in a sense until we get to the really good stuff that's going to come later, that we'll evacuate earth and we'll go to a better place. And I have discovered that I don't agree with evacuation theology, not much at all. That while I like the idea of golden streets and I like the idea of eternal singing, I think there has to be more to what's going to happen than we just wait here until Jesus takes us somewhere else. And I think I can make that case that Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, God, bring your kingdom here. We say, your kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven. Like we're praying that, God, you would come to earth and that you would reign on earth. That's the prayer that Jesus told us to pray. That Peter and the others, when they were writing, they wrote about a new heaven and they wrote about a new earth that was going to come, a new heaven and a new earth. And the last chapter of Revelation, just to give away the story, if you haven't gotten there, the last chapter of Revelation says that heaven comes down to earth. Revelation chapter 21, you can read it. That's what it says, that heaven will be on earth. That it'll be a return to how it was supposed to be. That there will be peace and justice. That heaven will be God's reign of peace and justice. That humanity will be multiplying peace and justice. That all of humanity will be growing and there will be life forever. And I don't have much more time to talk about this, but it kind of makes the case for where I want to uh, go with these next few minutes. But what if we aren't going somewhere? What if instead heaven is coming here on earth? And with God, we will get to build, and we are building now, this new heaven and this new earth here. Not earth as it is right now. I get that. I know that it's dark and dreary and it's broken and it's cursed. But what if it's going to be a whole new world? And there will no longer be sin. And there will no longer be brokenness. There's no longer a curse on this world. And if this is so, then what if eternity, what if heaven is what we do here and it's how we will do life forever, but it'll be different without the sin, without the brokenness, and it'll be forever. So N.T. Wright wrote in his, uh, uh, he, he wrote, N.T. Wright wrote, N.T. Wright wrote a book called Surprised by Hope, and in it he says this, it's going to be on the screen, what you do in the present, what you do right now, what you do in the present, by painting, preaching, preaching forever, Jeff, no time limits, yes, painting, preaching, singing, sewing, 
praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself will last into God's future. What you do now can last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little less beastly a little more bearable until the day when we leave it behind altogether. He says this, they are part of what we may call building God's kingdom. So what we do here on earth is practice for our good eternal work ahead. What you're doing now is practice for that. It means that heaven is more than streets of gold. It means that what we do and how we live this life, how we raise our children, how we shop, how we do the things of life, what we do matters now all by itself, and it matters in the future for sure. That the things that we do now and then, this living life and even our work, will be exciting in the future. It'll be fun, it'll be challenging and rewarding and fascinating and energizing and significant. And it's going to be custom fit for who you are. And it's going to last forever. So I say all that to say that this discipleship that we are a part of now goes into the future as well. So here at Hope, we talk about the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Let me pause there to say that is both now and for the future. That how we live now is not just to get through this life. It's part of the future. The process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And we do that for the sake of others. Which is for now and for the future. So that means... Right now, we're learning how to deal with work. And we learn how to deal with rest. This is why God talked about Sabbath, that we would take time to rest so that work doesn't turn into workaholism. That's part of conforming to the image of Jesus. We conform to the image of Jesus when we learn to put a handle on how we deal with technology and how we deal with social media and how we address all the information that's constantly thrown at us so that it doesn't overwhelm our lives. Because our lives now are our lives meant for the future. How we handle money, how we handle sex, how we handle power, that's all about conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. And how we learn to live on this earth and the new earth that we are designing and will design in the future. It's all about conforming to the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others, both now and into the future. So we're in this series that we're calling Made for This, and where we look at that we, the church, together, we are made to use the gifts and the talents that each of us have. We use those things together and give them uh, to, to bless others in this world. And today, I want to talk about this one thought. It's going to be, I think it's on the bottom third. Whoever you become, it carries over into the next life. That whoever you become, whoever you are becoming, it carries over into the next life. Now, that might excite you. It might depress you. 
It might scare you. I am praying this today that it will encourage you. It'll inspire you and that it will engage you. That the church is the place where together we help each other conform to the image of Jesus Christ, helping each other become who we are becoming. That the church is the place where together we become who we are becoming for both now and for the future. So in Ephesians chapter 4, it says this. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility. I have this verse on my desk. It's been on my desk since I became a pastor. I, I just printed out that verse and cut it out, and I have it on my computer screen. It used to be taped to my desk before I had computers, because that's how long we've been pastoring uh, before, before there were computers. We used to use paper back then yeah i know huh remember paper it came from trees we'll be telling our grandchildren about that and so i have that tape there it says their responsibility those who lead the church is to equip god's people to do his work and build up the church so their responsibility is to equip god's people and build up the church the body of christ their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. And God's people, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Jesus Christ. So our responsibility is to build each other up to discover together how we work, how we function, how we can be the body of Christ. Building up the church so that we have this unity in our faith and knowledge of Jesus until we are measured up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That together the church we figure it out. That together the church we work it out, we practice it, we model it, we mess it up sometimes and then we do it again and we mold it and we become. And this is not only a here and now thing, it's this forever thing that whoever you are becoming, it's going to carry over into this next life. And this becoming and this building is hardwired into us. It's how we are made. It's part of our personality. It's part of our talents. It's part of our passions. And I want to kind of uh, tease that out a little bit by sharing a story that Jesus told. Now, I'm going to tell the whole story, but Jesus shares a story about a man who was uh, uh, robbed and left on the side of the road. And he's injured pretty badly, we can tell by this story. And when he's on the side of the road, people are walking by and ignoring him. But one person stops, and Jesus says this. He says, a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Now, I'm going to pause there, because that word compassion is a word that I've used before. If you've heard me share this story, I used it with the feeding of 5,000 story a few years ago. I didn't use it yes, uh, last week when I talked about the feeding of 5,000, because I wanted to save it for this week. But it's the same word. When Jesus saw the 5,000, I didn't bring bread this time either. Uh, I, you know, I, 
I had all that bread left over, and I thought about what to do with it, and I thought I could just bring another roll this morning, but I didn't do that. But Jesus used, he talked about compassion, or Jesus had compassion for the crowd, and the word is splogna, and I'm not going to talk about that because I've done that before, but really it's, it has to do with your gut, that Jesus, when he saw the crowd, he felt compassion for them. His gut was moved. He just had that stirring inside of him. And so Jesus uses that same word here with the Samaritan. He said the Samaritan felt compassion, or he felt moved. You know, it's that time when you know you need to do something, when you know you need to get up and say something. It's that feeling in your gut. And so it says, the Samaritan, Jesus said, the Samaritan man had compassion. He soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. And the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. He did what he felt was the right thing to do. He followed his gut. And the Samaritan's compassion, the Samaritan's gut feeling initiated a skill set in him that soothed wounds with olive oil and wine and bandages. I don't even know how to do that. How do you soothe wounds with olive oil and wine? It sounds like he's making a salad more than he's soothing wounds, but he, he soothed wounds with those things. But it, this, his gut reaction led to his skill set. His action motivated by his gut led to his sharing of resources. He shared his donkey and his time and he shared his money. He moved toward an opportunity sacrificing his own agenda and headed to an inn to care for a man. His gifts, his talents, and resources were initiated by his gut, by a feeling he had. He did it because it felt like it was the right thing to do. He did it because someone needed to do something. And so my question for each of us, if you're watching online or here in this space, is, What's stirring in your gut? Find that passion that's burning inside of you. And in this instance, I want to challenge you to trust your gut. You know, if you see Maverick from Top Gun, he would tell you, don't think, just do. Now, that might not be the best advice in all of life. But in this moment, I think it does. Trust your gut. See, it's not about finding the opportunity. It's not about finding what you should do. Because the opportunity always finds us. It's about moving when the opportunity arrives. It's about seeing the moment where you need to get involved. It's seeing the moment where you say, I need to do this. Because your gut is telling you, your personality, your passions are telling you, this is what I need to do. This is what moves me. The challenge is allowing the opportunity to move you. You know, a friend of mine, about a decade ago, she went on her first mission trip. She saw an opportunity and she took it. She discovered that she was hardwired and she was passionate about international work. She went on every mission trip we offered in those years. 
After that trip, she not only went on those trips, she also started planning her own trips, and she would go away for weeks and sometimes even months doing international work and missions. And then COVID happened. And international travel became difficult. It became impossible. But you know what? She still has that passion. It still stirs in her gut. And so while international missions are grounded, her passion has not been. She recently found out that there's a person she met on one of her international trips who was stranded in Russia. Their flight was canceled, connected to all the things that are going on with the war and such. And she called me and said, I'm trying to raise funds. I'm trying to use my resources and use my connections to find a way to get this person back home. And if you were to ask her, she would say, I am made for this. As she was telling me the story of the phone, I could hear the passion coming through the receiver. This is who she is. This is what she was made for. She's becoming what she was made to do. All because she saw an opportunity more than a decade ago. And she went, yeah, I'll go on a mission trip. Why not? It feels like the right thing to do. A few weeks ago, Pastor Jeff shared that we were looking for coffee creators. Notice I said that, not coffee makers. We're looking for those who want to create caffeine in a liquid form. Right? Coffee creators. And we want you to arrive on a Sunday. We want you to make this coffee, create this coffee. We want you to serve it in the lobby. And he shared that a few weeks ago. We want to increase our hospitality here in this space on Sunday mornings because we think it's a great way when guests come to feel welcomed. It's a way for them to stick around and chat with some people afterward. If you're online, you can make your own coffee, and I'm sure you're making great coffee, and that's wonderful. But here in this space, we don't have that unless we bring them with us. So we want to make coffee for those who are visiting, and we want people to feel welcome. We want them to feel connected. And it's, this is a great opportunity to invite our friends, not just so we can have coffee. We're doing this so that our friends who are coming into this space can have coffee. That's why we're doing that. It's an invitation opportunity. And this opportunity that Pastor Jeff shared stirred in someone's gut. It stirred in several people's guts. And they said, you know what? This is a chance. I need to move and do this. And so people heard, and they sent some emails, and they said they want to join a coffee team, and and they're going to make coffee. Now, it's not only coffee. You get that, right? It's just an opportunity, but it's an opportunity that moved them. Now, I'm not suggesting they're going to make coffee for all of eternity, right? That's not what I'm saying. But I'm telling you, there'll be coffee in heaven, right? Right? See, it's more than creating coffee. This is about building up the body of Christ. This is about building into the church. This is about creating this welcoming environment. And it may be the opportunity to unleash someone's passion. And, 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 and that they would begin their journey to becoming who they are to become. Paul would say it this way, that God's people will be equipped to do better work for him. Building up the church, the body of Christ, to be a position of strength and maturity, he said. Until finally, we all believe alike about Jesus. And all become full grown. I could name dozens of opportunities of hope, not just making coffee, where that can lead 
to that opportunity for you. Worship ministries, family ministries, youth ministry roles, in-person and digital ministry opportunities, all designed to build up the body of Christ. And all are opportunities where you can be unleashed, where you can discover the passion for who you are becoming. Because that's the primary task of the church. That's the reason that we gather together as the body of Christ. That we would lead each other to discover our hardwired passion and hardwired giftedness. That together we're conforming to the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others. And the best part, this is not just about now. This is about eternity. That we will be who we are becoming in eternity. And it carries over into the next life. This is not only here and now thing. This is not only a hope thing. This is a church of Jesus Christ thing. It's a forever thing. And I hope that excites you. I hope at home right now you are clapping, saying, this is what the church is all about. I love our experience right now that we have people who are worshiping in all different spaces, not only here, that they're worshiping in different states all around, that we have people who are connected in different states in small groups together all around the body of Christ together. So here's a simple challenge. I want you to check out the Today page. If you're here in this space, there's a QR code on the back of the chair. You just take a picture of that. It'll go right to that page. You can find out ways that you can get connected. And I want to challenge you that you may be stirring your gut by one of those things. And don't ignore it. If you're online, it's going to be in the chat. I'm sure they're throwing it up there right now. What's stirring inside of you? Maybe there's been something and you've known it all along. And maybe it's not on the Today page. I want to challenge you to send me an email, uh, stop me in the lobby. I want to hear what that is. What's moving you? I challenge you to move towards it. Because we, the church, are made for this. And you, you are made for this. And together, we get to become who we are made to be forever. The church of Jesus. More than singing, more than gold streets, we get to be forever building the kingdom of God here. All of us. Discovering our gifts, our passions, discovering what it is that we're made and how we're made to do. That even a kid who obnoxiously raises his hand and says, is that it? Singing forever gets to share his personality and gifts and sharing about Jesus. Man, forever together. Will you stand with me for closing prayer? If you're, in, if you're watching online, I encourage you just to stick around as we pray together as this prayer. So God, I thank you for this time. I thank you, God, for Jesus. I thank you, God, for the church. And I thank you that, God, you have called us that together we get to build into each other to discover our passions to discover our gifts to discover the way that we can be used to further your kingdom god i pray that you would stir inside of us that thing that we need to do God, that we have gifts and talents that we can offer them to the body of christ that we can spur each other on that we can build each other up that together god we 
become who we are becoming into the future. And so, God, I thank you for this time of worship that we've had. I thank you for uh, the way that you have been with us. And, God, we pray that you go with us now as we move out into this world. In all of our spaces, together we pray and say amen and amen. You all have a great day.